Good morning, everyone. So welcome to the podcast for this morning. I'm so happy to be there with you, with Melanie this morning. So <laughs> we will cover, of course, we're still in the book, A Leader in Class from Simon Sinek. So we will, we are now at the chapter nine already. So if you are <laughs> reading with us, we are already at the chapter nine. It's really a good book. And I, I really love that and we go a little bit further in the book and I understand more every week. <laughs> so I have to tell you, when we started this book, I really understand zero of the book. <laughs> but now it's really helping me to understand a little bit more. So last week we covered why we need a leader and what style of leadership we all have. So we did a little test to play with it. And we really understand that why we need leaders is important because we want to build trust within the organization and we need a leader to build this trust within the organization. And today in the chapter nine is how to break the rules and when to break the rules. So it's really interesting this chapter. So I will let Melanie start it with this um, subject on how to break the rules as a leader to still have the trust of everyone in the organization. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Marie-Pierre. Yes, I agree The further we get into the book, uh, actually, the more relevant things seem. And uh, it is so easy for us to be able to uh, uh, look at the organization that we're part of and, um, and say thanks every day for our amazing leader. Um, so I'm going to start off with a story this morning. It's a little bit longer than usual, but I like reading stories. So here we go. How many souls on board? The air traffic controller asked, as if we were still traversing the globe in wooden ships with tall masts. The archaic terminology referring to the number of people aboard the vessel is a standard question asked when an aircraft declares an in-flight emergency. 126 souls, replied the pilot. The Florida-bound flight was somewhere over Maryland at an altitude of 36,000 feet, traveling at about 560 miles per hour, when smoke started to pour into the cockpit. Smoke on board an aircraft is one of the most terrifying emergencies a pilot will ever face. They don't always know the cause of the smoke. They don't know if there is a fire. They don't know if the emergency is contained or if it is going to spread and spread out of control quickly. The smoke itself can make seeing or breathing difficult and it is sure to cause panic amongst the passengers. No matter how you look at it, it's bad. Center KH209 
the pilot radioed when he realized the problem. KH-209, go ahead, replied the controller, monitoring the airspace. KH-209, I need to descend immediately. I can't maintain altitude, was the abrupt call from the pilot. But there was a problem. There was another flight, also flying to Florida, 2,000 feet directly below the troubled aircraft. The FAA rules are simple enough. No two aircraft flying en route may pass each other any closer than 1,000 feet, above or below, or five miles around each other. The rules are there for good reason. Traveling at three quarters the speed of sound, it becomes very difficult to maneuver aircraft without creating a serious risk of collision. To make matters worse, the two planes were flying on a narrow route toward their destination. Because of a military exercise that was going on in the area, the airspace was restricted to a narrow band, much like a lane of a highway. And though there were other lanes on this highway, there was other traffic in them at the time. The air traffic controller replied to the pilot's request to descend immediately. KH-209, turn 15 degrees right and descend. Not only had the air traffic controller ordered the distressed airplane to enter restricted airspace, but telling the pilot to descend would mean he would pass well within the five-mile buffer of the plane flying beneath him. Modern aeroplanes are equipped with collision alarms that alert a pilot when another airplane flies within that 1,000-foot, five-mile buffer. When the alarm sounds, knowing the limited time they have, pilots are trained to react to what could be an impending disaster. The proximity by which these two planes would pass each other, two miles to be exact, would surely set off the collision alarm of the flight traveling at 34,000 feet, and that would create another problem. But this was a very experienced air traffic controller sitting at the console that day. He was fully aware of all the aircraft in the area. What's more, he was very aware of all the rules and restrictions. He radioed the pilot of the other aircraft and spoke in very clear plain English. AG-1446, there is an airplane flying above you. He has declared an emergency. He is going to descend through your altitude at approximately two miles off your right front. He needs to descend immediately. This same message would be repeated again as the troubled vessel passed through the airspace of another three aircraft as it made its way down. On that clear day over Maryland, 126 souls were saved because one very experienced air traffic controller decided to break the rules. Keeping people alive was more important than maintaining boundaries. There are over 9.8 million scheduled domestic and passenger flights on US airlines in 2012. That's nearly 26,800 flights per day. The numbers are staggering. 
These numbers don't even include the unscheduled cargo and foreign flights that crisscross America every year. More than 15 million passengers each year entrust their lives to the pilots who transport us, the mechanics who ensure the aircraft are airworthy, and the FAA which develops the regulations to ensure everything runs as safely as possible. And then there are the air traffic controllers. We trust these relatively few people to obey the rules to ensure that all those aircraft are kept moving safely across the skies. But in the case of flight KH-209, the controller broke the rules. He disobeyed the clear lines set to ensure our safety. And that is what trust is all about. We trust people to know when they can break the rules. We trust people to have our best interest at heart. Rules are good for status quo, to keep everyone within their boundaries. So life proceeds along normally without too much trouble. But sometimes rules have to be broken and we trust the people in charge to know when that will be. Organizations and people that are good are constantly training their people above and beyond the normal. They're not just giving them uh, um, training in uh, Excel or PowerPoint or things that anybody can do. But what they're doing, just as we have a leader that encourages us to do this, what they do is they encourage self-development. They encourage leadership skills. They encourage people to learn to think for themselves in difficult situations. They train us to reach levels of responsibility and to be able to take that responsibility when we need to take it. Technology is great, but technology works by rules. The only decisions it makes is this way or that way. And that's because often that's programmed into them. And my dad always used to say to me, whenever we talked about when there'd been an accident or something had happened, he would always say, technology, Melanie, is only as good as the operator. Because at the end of the day, there's a human who is directing technology, whether it's through computer programming or whether it's through uh, them actually operating machinery. And in a plane, for example, as you heard, there are plenty of bells and whistles to tell a pilot when something is wrong. You know, lights appear as in our cars. You know, how many of us drive along and a light appears on the car? What do you do? Say, so I'm just gonna keep driving and hope it goes away. Or do you, do you stop and say, I'm going to just, you know, uh, investigate this a little. I mean, you know, technology is only as good as the person who is operating it. Trust is a human quality. It only exists with people, between people. It is produced by oxytocin, that wonderful chemical that flows through our veins in response to acts um, performed on our behalf 
to keep us safe, to keep us secure, to protect us. Technology doesn't care about us. It can't care about us. And I think probably that's a good thing. I, I was immediately thinking when I was reading this this morning and preparing, what about AI? I mean, AI is designed to think, maybe not to care, but maybe technology is always trying to get to that level, but I do not believe it'll never get to the level where the, the trust is concerned. Imagine a life where everything was governed by rules with no allowance for discernment. Each time we fought with our partners, we had to stick within the rules. And you know, that, that's a, like a ridiculous situation. I couldn't help thinking of North Korea when I was writing all this thing uh, about trust, about discernment, about understanding rules and regulations. People in North Korea, they live in a society so governed by rules, they don't trust anybody, right? That, that is not a society we want to live in. And this is why bureaucrats are so annoying. Have you ever tried to argue with a bureaucrat that it's not fair that you didn't pay your bill on time because you were in a road accident, you ended up in hospital, you had, you had a, a, a surgery, you didn't come out of surgery, you were not avail, you know, aware of what was happening and the date for your bill passed. And now they want to charge you interest? Like, where is the discernment in people to break the rules? A bureaucrat will never break the rules. The benefit of trust must be reciprocal. So in a company environment, you have to rely on the boss trusting the people and the people trusting the boss. If it's a one-way situation, it will not work. And in weak companies, what happens is the uh, employees in a company where they don't trust the boss will cheat. They will steal pens and paper and all sorts of things. They will break the rules because they can, because there's no trust, because they justify that they're entitled. In a company where rules are never broken, uh, I mean, in a company where rules, uh, where trust is strong, that won't happen. People will value the people above and below them, and they will keep to the rules when they need to and break them when they have to, if the best interest is at heart. Leaders must teach their people rules. They must train them to increase their confidence, and they must give them the responsibility to take action when they need to. Um, and in our company, we have an example where Maria, uh, we know, allowed us to break rules, break rules about maybe posting on Marketplace. But what Maria did and what all good leaders did it, do is they take the responsibility for the breaking rules to be able to engender trust. So she doesn't just say, well, you do it and then, you know, you have to fight your battle. She takes responsibility for the little battles 
that are going on. A leader must provide cover from above. Courage comes from above. When people feel they have the control to do what is right, they will perform well. Our confidence comes from how trusted we feel from our leaders. Good people in a bad culture are, um, are more concerned with following rules out of fear. So my, uh, my, um, my part is really finished now, but I, like, I could just go on for ages talking about different environments, different situations, but I know I'm going to have another turn. So I'm going to pass over now to Mary Pierre. <laughs> Thank you, Melanie. So, yes, for this morning, I'm really happy that I found a few articles. I said, oh, it's, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff about that on how to break the rules. So, there's rules on how to break the rules. <laughs> I really love how it, it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense at the same time. Because, yes, rules, as they say, are meant to be broken, but not all the time, of course, because, yes, we are trying to have a society to live in a society so yes rules will help most of the time to create an orderly and well-regulated society but sometimes their lack of flexibility enters our creativity and thus our ability to solve the problem that confront us so each rule is made for a reason each is crafted to fit a specific situation that means that not every rules will apply to every situation and not every rules will apply to you in every situation so in fact many rules when you look at it will contradict each other but <laughs> following a rule just because it's there it's not the right way to do it so yes things change time change people change you change so if your rules don't change too you run the risk of holding yourself back from fulfilling your unique purpose. So how can we break the rules? So there's five rules on how to break the rules wisely. So number one is understand why a rule exists. So just like we mentioned before, rules are created for a reason. And no, that reason usually isn't wanting to ruin your fun. So most rules are put in place either to protect you from something harmful or to push you towards something good. So it's likely that as you grow and mature, specific rules themselves will no longer apply because you have the wisdom and now resources to either avoid a particular harm or partake in a particular good without needing a reminder. So, But before breaking a rule, it's wise to understand exactly what you're giving up or gaining in the process. So we can still dig a little further and rules are often much more complex than we think and they serve many different purposes at once. So there's surprising amount of depth and character development to be found in such simple rule and it's these motivation that compromise the spirit of the rule. Number two is break the rules as a last resort. So whether you're talking about writing and grammar or music composition, artistic composition, marketing, business management or anything else, the rules that people usually follow exist for a good reason most of the time they work. So stepping outside the rules require more energy, more forethought, more planning and more creati creativity. In short, more work. So an effective writer, composer, marketer, business people, 
from every other will walk of life and don't likely waste their effort fixing what already works well. So rule breaking is the step you turn to when the rules fail to work. Number three, examine, examine your needs. So now that you understand the motivation be behind the rules, you're questioning, ask yourself, what do you uh, want or need? So it's tempting to throw the rules out because they're inconvenient, but we don't give, uh, don't give you what you want now, but beware of this tendency. It's lurk within all of us. If you're talking, taking on the responsibility of writing your own rule book, you're also taking on the responsibility to do so responsibly. <laughs> so you may have a, a very good reason to uh, maybe uh, you want to <laughs> talk about this example of a rule, no cake before dinner. Yes, it's something that all parents <laughs> tell their children, no cake before dinner. So maybe you have a very good reason that you want to just take this rule and say, no, it's not for me. So maybe you have realized that uh, you have an unhealthy fascination with the diet strictness. So if your perspective on food has taken the enjoyment of eating and limiting your food choices and is encouraging you to undereat, now maybe you feel that you want to feel free that you eat anything you want for a while and that's a good reason for a change so or if you just say no i'm an adult and i can do what i want and i want to do all i want to do is to eat cake <laughs> now that's an excuse not a good reason for a change so take time to understand what you want and need for your life and evaluate which of your desires are legitimate and which are just excuses. So for every broken rules, there's a reason. So if you are an inexperienced rule breaker and you broke the rules just because you, doesn't, you don't know any better versus the master rule breaker will break the rules because after careful consideration, it will decide that uh, the most effective and meaningful way to get something done is to break the rule. So they will have an explanation for every single step outside the, the accepted boundaries of the right and proper. Number four is to accept the consequences. So if you call on the carpet that, uh, to defend his choices, the ignorant rule breaker is defensive and feels put upon. He will try to uh, wriggle out of the consequences, seeing them as the man's effort to keep him down. The master, on the other hand, will embrace the consequences, knowing that it was right to make the decision he made, or that if those decisions turn out to be wrong, that he made them in good faith and for the right reason. And number five is to create new rules. So now we put it all together, but we don't just throw out the old rules, we update them. Because the best way to create <laughs> new rules that will work for you is to reconcile the wisdom of the past with your desire for the future. So how can you create something that will solve your need without throwing out the wisdom of the rule in the first place? So if we go back with the example of eating a cake before dinner, <laughs> you can say, okay, I will keep the idea of you don't want to eat cake before dinner because you want 
to be healthy you want to make sure that you will eat <laughs> you will uh, get your uh, diet healthier so you can say okay i can do it but i can do it only once a week so yes it gives you something that you can do it so you you have your need but you keep it that you will uh, stay healthy so how you will create it you may and uh, this may mean that you will admit the, and no rule that is the really best way to go and maybe keeping it in your life and maybe you will just update it and uh, make sure that it will better save your personality and your life for now so just knowing that you're fo following maybe a tradition or a rule is important and it will help you to make sure that your line of thinking is uh, going for your value and your goals and not just because the rule is there you are going to follow it so <laughs> just keep that in mind that yes we can update it but we have to make sure to follow those five rules to break the rules <laughs> Okay, so um, thank you for that. And uh, it reminds me of, you know, we had to rule in our house that the only time that you could uh, eat cake before dinner was on your birthday. So um, that, that meant that cake was allowed in abundance that day. Um, okay, so I, I love those rules. I love the, uh, the fifth one, which is talking about creating new rules because you know, sometimes we, we sit in a society where the rules that uh, exist, existed, um, those of us that are reading uh, think um, big and I forget the name of the book that we're reading at the moment in our conditioning, uh, but it is written a long, long time ago. And when you read it and some of the rules that are happening in that, you say, wow, we've, we've moved on a little bit from, from that time and uh, time evolves. So uh, there are many times where uh, leaders have to make decisions. And, um, you know, my background is in pharmaceuticals. And I know there have been times where we've had to make a decision that in a normal situation, you would never make it because it goes outside the rules. You, ha we have to be able to uh, trust people who are the leaders in our society. Um, an example I could give you is maybe um, a particular pharmaceutical company is making a, a tablet which is only made by them, right? They're the only one. We, there are a lot of pharmaceuticals that have what are called orphan products, but it's only made by them and they are the only people that can supply it and the people who take the drug depend on it. It's a life or death medication. So you have a limited amount of raw material, you make the product and it just doesn't quite conform to the rules of release of that product. What do you do? Do you hold it? And then the people who need it have a potential to die? Or do you say, okay, it doesn't quite read the standards, but we know it's safe for them to take and it's better for them to take it than not take it. So in that situation, you might wanna break the rules. And you know, 
whether you trust or don't trust people can have an amazing effect on your behavior. And I'm just going to finish with a quick story. At the weekend, I had to call Fido, who's my uh, phone provider. And um, I noticed that I'd been paying for something for over a year that I had cancelled. And my fault entirely because I hadn't been checking every bill. Um, and so I called them, not expecting them to, uh, to uh, do anything. But the lady I got, she went above and beyond. She actually, she didn't um, refund me the payments, but she found me a new plan, which is now $11 cheaper a month. Um, she made a note in the file. She canceled it straight away. How do you think I feel about Fido? Like, I absolutely trust them. And so, you know, and that was an individual that did that, not a company. Because when I got on the phone, I wasn't too happy because I know I had called and canceled this a, a year ago. And obviously, that person wasn't trustworthy. Trust comes from individuals. And without trust, our society is a very black and white place. And that is not uh, what we want. We want to be able to feel and move forward with people. So thank you very much. That's uh, it for our po podcast this morning. And um, we'll look forward. We've got another great chapter for you tomorrow. We've already read it. Thank you.